cool. Well, thank you again. Um, I want to talk about kind of similar to what your question was. I uh, was I kind of was thinking about there's a there's a phrase I see you, Mara. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Mara. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> and in in Buddhist teachings, the um, personification of like the hindrances of craving and aversion and delusion is known is what's is known as Mara. And Mara shows up when the Buddha is on the just um, coming into his enlightenment. Mara shows up, and and they say he sends the armies of Mara. Uh, and Buddha's like, oh, God, I see you. I see you for what you are. So he doesn't become entranced by them. And, and Mara shows up throughout the Buddha's life. And somehow in my meandering, looking for I see you, Mara, I thought about this other story uh, about Milarepa, who is uh, in Tibetan teachings. He's a, um, there's a lot of stories about Milarepa, who, was, who lived in a wise man who lived in a cave. And the story, the story had been telling wrong for years and years and years about him in his cave being um, attacked by demons and then I'm inviting them in for tea. And, and that's just like not the story at all. So <laughs> what, what the story is, is Milarepa was out and about. And when he got back to his cave, his cave was full of demons. He was full of demons, so he was. He, uh, he was. Uh, his first thought was to get rid of them. How does he get rid of them? Yelling at them, screaming, "Get out!" Blah blah blah. Be gone. Throwing rocks, whatever he was doing, and they're just kind of everything he did. They just kind of got bigger, and and he's like, "Okay, this isn't working." So then, what he did, um, he uh, yeah. The more he chased them, they 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 just got more comfy. And then what he did, he tried to teach them Dharma. So he goes, let me reason with them. Let me teach them Dharma. And they just sat there and looked at him like, what? Like with this like glazed look on their big ugly eyes. And then what he did is he realized that they were not going to go away. So he surrendered to them. And when he surrendered to them, they all disappeared except the biggest and the ugliest one. And then he just finally broke down and he, well, he, when he, he, um, he surrendered to them and he said, okay, what can I learn from them? And then they all disappeared. So he had this, this surrender and this willingness to see what these demons could teach him. And then the biggest, the ugliest one was still left. And he's like, after a while, he said, I give up. And he put his head into the demon's mouth. And at that point, the demon just kind of bowed to him and disappeared. So it was like this journey of surrender. And so the teaching around this is uh, this, I saw this, I saw this article in a, an old issue of Tricycle where they talked about this. So that's the actual Milarepa and the demons in the, in the cave story. Not that he was in there and he said, hey, come in and have some tea, which is, another, which is, I don't know if that story exists anywhere, although Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield and Thich Nhat Hanh talk about the Buddha inviting Mara in for tea. So some of these things, but it's not in the Pali Canon anywhere. It's just some story that kind of fake Buddha quotes. If you're familiar with those, it's, it's like one of these stories that really makes a lot of sense and it's a great teaching story and I'll probably touch on it in a bit, but it, it doesn't really exist in the, in the Canon, in, in the Buddha's teaching. So what this story is about, it's, it's really um, 
this first stage when he sees these demons and what demon is the word that is often used for as I mentioned the hindrances when we're beset by craving and the Buddha is talking about craving is the really the the root of our discomfort the root of our dissatisfaction the root of our suffering anybody new to Buddhist teachings okay so some of you are some of you aren't so um, craving and wanting things to be good all the time is what the Buddha talks about in the in the Four Noble Truths as the root of our suffering and recognizing that there is discomfort there is dissatisfaction there is pain in this world and not wanting it to be fun and good and and win all the prizes all the time recognizing that is important but we we don't see that it's and a part of it is because we're hardwired we're hardwired to want chase the pleasure and push away the pain I mean it's a survival mechanism for our reptilian brain but we carry that on to our, our current brain that's you know we want what we see on TV and when we read a catalog we want that and we want the new iPhone because this one's eight months old and it's like so old um, we're told what to want we're told what's important you know, we get lost in that that world of craving and pushing away the unpleasant. No, no, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this. So we get into fist fights with demons. We see these demons taking over, if we're even aware of them at all. Most of the time, we're caught in delusion. We're, we believe what's going on in our mind. We believe what we're thinking this this deep conditioning that we have because we're all conditioned being based on our our our, our environment how we were raised growing up um, what society tells us I mean there's there's the systemic there's the systemic um, messages that we receive uh, depending on on what we look like and who we love and where we come from and the language we speak all these things um, we're either okay or we're not okay Makes sense. Yeah. Plus our own familial crap and environmental crap. So it's just a, each of us have our own um, hodgepodge. We want to say bully base, but we same things. You know, we each have our own mess in our minds that drive us, that tell us this is important, that's not important, and that shifts actually throughout our lifetime. What was important when we were twelve years old? may not be important when we're you know 22 years old or 42 years old but we might still have that idea in our mind that this is what's important I was in a class last night and the teacher was talking about you know the no fixed self and we and I was thinking about how I have had those times of this is what I really like I really like this but if I stopped and thought about it it's like why I don't actually like that anymore I'm just doing it because it's a habit and I don't question my habit, you know. I go to this restaurant and I, because it's always the thing we do, and now it's like, well, I haven't actually liked coming to this restaurant for years. Why do we still do this? Oh, because we always do it. You know, we've been. It's a tradition, and it's like maybe traditions aren't always the right thing to do. We can let go of things, but when we're not paying attention, where we don't see it, we don't question those things. Our deeply held beliefs about the world, our deeply held beliefs about ourselves. That's why I always offer the invitation 
at the beginning of meditation to be kind to yourselves, to pay attention to the voice that says you're not good doing it right. Uh, because even if we're told that, anybody in here criticize how well or how poorly they were sitting? Couple, yeah. You know, I mean, that takes some time to let go of something, to be rid of recognizing that, oh, no, this is, the mind. this is what the mind does. This is not the, what the mind does. Not that you're doing this poorly. But the mind, we have a soundtrack that kind of tends to judge and critique. Anybody have one of those? It's like, you didn't do this, right? It's always judging, looking around, this, that, and the other. So to see that and to stop, and go, wait a minute, time out. Begin to see the water you swim in. It's difficult because we can't see the water we swim in, but that's what's swirling around. And when we finally slow down and sit and quiet the mind, we make space for that stuff. We make space for those quote-unquote demons to show up. That anger, that fear, that, the hindrances, the restlessness, the worry, the fear. Um, the codependence, the people-pleasing, the perfection, you know, the destructive behavior that we've developed over our years. I was, um, and when we quiet the mind and realize that this is these, these things that we've been practicing or the habits, the habits that we've been in the, the, that cause more suffering when we're, when we're perfectionists, we're doomed because it's impossible. Perfection is impossible. We're human beings, yet if we're stuck, if that's one of our, our things that trap us, then it's, it's going to be incredibly painful to not be perfect. If we're into people-pleasing or, or we're caught up in self-destructive um, uh, you know, addiction, all kinds of addictions we develop to, take, you know, to tamp down the pain, to take the edge off, whatever the addiction is. So really beginning to see, and when we slow the mind down, when we take the time, and meditation is the, is the route that one can get to, to take to get to this place of slowing down and calming the mind, we make space for what's underneath. I listened to a little talk by Julia Butterfly Hill last week. Um, I do, do you folks know who she was? I think it was in the 70s, maybe it was the 80s. They were going to cut down some old growth forest, I think Northern California, I don't remember the details, but she moved into a tree and she lived in a tree for like two years. She's because they would have had to cut her down to do whatever it is. And she's like, you're not cutting down these old growth trees. And she won. I mean, it went to legal battles and stuff, but she wasn't giving up any ground. And she's still quite an activist. So, um, she, I saw a little clip of a talk she gave, and she was talking about anger. She goes, anger is like a, a go-to for her. It's just this, it just comes up, and there's this place of anger. But that's not sustainable. Um, living in a state of anger is not sustainable because you burn yourself out. You're angry at other things, but your own, the anger's like, ah, it's that hot coal. That, you, that you're holding on to. It just burns you up. So what she talked about is slowing down and getting to a place, what's underneath the anger? Oh, she cares so very much. So to get, in, get out of the, 
the 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 go-to reaction of anger and say, oh, I really care, which has a very different flavor from anger. It can still be a driver. She says she hasn't really lost her edge, but she doesn't act from a place of anger. There's, there's a little bit more wisdom in her. And I've had experiences where I was, I was starting a new job and I was full of, am I making a mistake? Is this going to be this? Blah, blah, blah. Why should I have left my old job? And blah, blah, blah. And so all that, if I'm, I'm very much into planning, that's kind of a, a, a where my mind goes. I'm into planning and figuring it all out. I need to know what's going to happen. I need to have all the answers before I get off my couch. And if I don't, I don't do anything. I just sit on my couch and try and figure it out harder. So that's what I've done for many, many years. So I was trying to figure this all out and figure this all out. And I happened to go on retreat. Just a short, I think it was a four or five day retreat. And my head was just, Diana was one of the teachers on that retreat. This is a long time ago. And my head was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, after a couple of days of struggling with this, because this is not, it, it doesn't go, this stuff doesn't go away overnight just because we sit down and meditate for 10 minutes. It's really disentangling years of conditioning that that mind that's used to, it's, it's doing it for 50 years. It's not going to change overnight. Slow, finally slow down that. What if, if only, blah, 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 blah. And what was underneath it was this sense, this fear of not being able to do the job. And I've told this story a million times, but if I had not taken the time to quiet the mind, I would not be able to have seen that. And what the response was to that was like what Julia Butterfly Hill's response, I would. she didn't talk about this, but my imagining it would be. And for me, it was kindness and compassion. Kindness and compassion. Not, oh, you're so stupid. You know, that's old judging behavior, but kindness and compassion. So this first stage, when Milarepa sees the these demons in the cave, is to, oh, see what's there. Not, you know, for his first response was to fight them. But that doesn't do anything. We keep fighting reality just stuffs it and you know fighting feelings just stuffs them and they're going to come up somewhere somehow someday you know so just to acknowledge it if they're showing up make space for them if they're there make space for them because that's that's what's there um be willing to stay um the second stage i love this or this next stage is um to throw Dharma at it. It's like, um, and, and I think that's a great metaphor for the spiritual bypass. If some, if any of you are familiar with the, the term spiritual bypass, that's where you are, you throw, throw Dharma at it. You throw, um, these teachings at it, like meta loving kindness. When there's, um, I, I often say people treat it as magic pixie dust that when something difficult happens, they take meta and they throw it at it in, with the intention of fixing it, with the intention of making it go away. And that's what, um, that's what happens when people use these teachings. It's like, um, like impermanence, like when there's a loss, 
like a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one or a loss of a relationship, some kind of loss. There's, there's, there's pain. There's grief. There are things that have to be tended to. But they're painful and people are like, I'm not interested. And so what happens is they go, oh, it's all impermanent. It's just going away. So that they use that as a distraction and they don't allow themselves to feel it. And it's called spiritual bypass because you're using spiritual spirituality to not feel what's actually happening. And this guy who wrote this article in, in um, Tricycle, he talks about the ego is living in a high rise, living above it all, which I like that, that the ego is just up there going, oh no, I am so spiritually advanced. This stuff doesn't, this is the stuff doesn't uh, impact me. And, and in Buddhism, there, there's, the, there's the idea and with these teachings, there's the absolute. Yeah, there's the absolute sense of impermanence. Things are impermanent. This is very true, but there's also the relative. I hurt. It hurts when there's a loss. I experience that. And so moving into that bypass is a denial of that. We have to come back to the relative experience. It's like when we have, you know, talk about, we, um, there's a, there's a, at Against the Stream years and years and years ago, we started a people of color group and people, people would, I was really surprised at the pushback and I'm seeing uh, there's a group in San Francisco having a very similar experience right now saying, well, we're, sp isn't Buddhism about being all one? You know, we're all one people, you know, which this is, these, these different groups are, are, are really bad and, and not what this is all about. And it's like, yes, the absolute is the interconnectedness of all beings. And there is also the uh, on the ground experience of people of color who have not been welcomed into mixed groups. You know, and we have, we had a queer song and the same thing. You know, you're not welcome at the party. And even um, with white affinity groups, that's a real hot button because these are groups for white people to discuss whiteness. You know, and it's like, well, that's racist. No, it's not. It's an affinity group for people to talk about educating themselves about the systemic um, conditioning that impacts people. So... Absolute, yes, all interconnected, but relative have to face the reality of our our conditioning and deal with the issues that are that are that need to be dealt with. So um, that's what happens when you throw Dharma at stuff or you throw any kind of jargony stuff at it. Um, those the core psychological wounds are still there and they need to be faced whether through this practice or therapy, through whatever, they have to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. There's no way out of this. Don't get out of here. Um, so you have to turn to uh, turn to, towards willingness. That's when he's putting his heads in the mouth. Okay, I'm willing. What do you have to teach me? You know, and recognize that it's hard. It is difficult. This practice is not easy. Um, if it were easy, this room would be full, billions of people would be doing this. Um, but having spent many, many years in a meditation center, 
I see people come and go. And it's not just, and it's not just this, it's not just Buddhism. It's, it's, it's any spiritual practice that asks you to stay put. I see people bounce from one to the other. Oh, that didn't work. I'm going to go over there. Oh, that didn't work. I'm going to go over there because, and you get, you know, very shallow touches of each of these, but the real work in any of these, um, spiritual practices happen when you, when you take the deep dive. You know, St. John of the Cross, is this, his treatise is um, The Long Dark Night of the Soul. That's what this, this is asking us to do, is take that, that journey, that internal journey to face what's really there, what's, what's present. Um, everything is dharma and the opportunity to deepen and understanding and soften our hearts. So we don't throw dharma at something. We realize that everything is part of the mix, and we have to hold everything. And I mentioned compassion and loving kindness. Um, it's really important that we have a, a grounding uh, in compassion and loving kindness because we have to hold our experience with that. We have to be kind to ourselves because we're going through some really painful things. Everybody, we all have our own journey. There's no hierarchy of um, compassion. There's no, my pain is worse than your pain. That, that does it's, it's it's not true. It's it's we all have to deal with whatever we have to deal with. But to have the a foundation of compassion is really important. And there are practices. A heart practice is where you learn to cultivate because being kind and compassionate to ourselves is not necessarily our strong suit. Anybody ever struggle with that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so cultivating <coughs> the heart practices is really important so that when you get to that place of uncovering what's really underneath, uh, you can hold it with this firm foundation this, this open heart, this tenderness, this recognition that, yeah, shit happens. Shit absolutely happens. How can I hold it? I've had those experiences as well, where I was berating myself, berating myself, berating myself, and then all of a sudden realizing, like, I didn't mean to do that. It's just something that I did, and it was not the outcome I wanted. I don't have to beat myself up. If it's something I take accountability for, I take accountability for, but we continue to, you know, over and over and over again. That's where we get lost in our mind, too. You ever replace stuff you did? Over and over. Eh. That's what, eh. let go. What's, what's happening right now? Is it painful right now? Is this emotion that's arriving, arising, arriving and arising painful? Can you be kind? Can you hold it with softness and compassion? That's absolutely what this is about. It's so important. Otherwise, we start spinning out. And, and when we first start moving into this realm of holding, um, holding space for what's really there, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. So what you might want to do is just, like what I like to say, is just put a toe in the water. And just put a little bit in. Go in for as much as you can stand and then come out and then bring some kindness to yourself. So bring some compassion to yourself. Because we're not used to doing this. You know, we're really used to um, um, 
moving distracting however we choose to distract so when we were finally willing to turn towards um, put your toe in the water don't don't have to always, you don't have to go there alone either see if, if, if you can find someone a teacher somebody else on the path someone who will walk with you as you do this work it's it's really helpful it's not a individual individualistic uh, practice it's uh, taking refuge in the sangha taking refuge in the community of people who are also practicing this people who are also on this path it's really important um, and then the last the last stage of this when he put his head in the demon's mouth it's you don't run away um, you know, we, we want to know uh, what it is we don't want to touch. We're willing to, we don't have any preference. This is, we, we, we're willing to have a deep intimacy with our own experience without preference. Deep intimacy with our own experience without preference. That's it. No, 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 uh, no armor, no armor, armor, footnote, armor and boundaries are not the same thing. Boundaries good, armor less good. So no armor, be willing to, be willing to face whatever's there. Um, yeah, there's a quote from Carl Jung that says, we don't become enlightened by imagining beings, by imagining beings of light, but by making the darkness conscious. You know, we don't just Im imagine light, but we, we bring consciousness to the darkness. We allow the darkness to be there. We don't just candy coat it. And anytime we push things away, it's just, we're just delaying the inevitable. If we get to, if we even do it, because there's people, there are people who are incredibly deluded in this world. I don't think you have to look very far to see people who are just caught up in greed and caught up in hatred and caught up in delusion the 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 delusion and the and the the conditioning is so thick it's so thick i often go i don't know if they're ever they're not interested in doing the work they're just not interested in doing the work and it's like they're i don't know if they're ever going to do it they're going to die this way and i don't know if they're I have no clue, but my sense is that they're not necessarily very happy deep down inside, you know, and at night when the lights are out, how much ease there is. Because, you know, there's this search for external happiness when the happiness is not external, it's internal. I, said, I say this a lot now because, you know, there's all these billionaires and they ask... I think I don't know who it was, but they asked how much is and how many billions are enough, and his response was, "I don't know, not none. There's none and none that are enough. Just need to keep doing more, doing more, doing more." I'm just like, really, really, you know, because that's that's that, um, and also in Buddhist mythology, there's a there's a thing called the realm of the hungry ghosts, who are these creatures who are like big and round and with little teeny mouths and they are never satisfied so i think we're right now we're living in the realm of the hungry ghosts that there's so much there's and 
there's so much information. Social media is the realm of the hungry ghost. Too. There's so much information and so little nourishment. There's so little nourishment. So to wake up to that is so important. Um, and we're willing to take the risks to open up and to, to wake up to our, um, our, uh, what's really going on inside. We're really willing to take the risks. Um, and then the, the, the last piece of this is just the wisdom to see what's going on. The wisdom to be with whatever is. And when I was talking, looking at the Mara, um, uh, the Buddha, when the Buddha was facing Mara, what, what tools he used were faith, trust that this continuing along this path was going to work. Continuing to stay present, to turn towards what was. Energy, keeping, keep making the effort. Keep making the effort to come back, come back, come back. Stay present, let go of what's not, you know, let go of the past, let go of the future. Stay present, what's going on right now? What's, where is it in my body that... I was talking about that before, just staying present, staying present, staying present. And then you have the wisdom to see clearly what's actually true. You know? what, what is this? The asking that question, what is this? What is this? What is this? Oh, am I caught up in that craving? Am I, or am I present with what's happening? So, so those are my thoughts on demons in a cave. Ta-da! So, um, any questions, comments, thoughts, rebuttals? Um, you had said something earlier about, um, you know, learning to accept yourself, and that's a very big thing I'm working on right now. And today, I just said to myself, and it just sat so well with me, was uh, I, I fully accept myself as I am in this very moment. Mm-hmm. And then I thought. I can do that because mm. the moment's gone now. Like I did it, yay! You know, I just and that felt so good. You know, but it's always like I just gotta accept myself, and then boom, everything's gonna be great. You know, but it's like no, because then things are gonna change. You know, so now that I'm, I'm gonna try and say that a lot because it just felt really good. It felt like I did it. You know, I I did in that very moment. I can do that. You know, it's so minute, but it's a start. That's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Because actually all there is is this moment. So just just keep adding those up. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's all I have. Yeah. Thank you. I like that. So I had one question. You don't have to answer it now, but take it with you. What are your demons? And And demons are like, you know, not, they don't just, but like, people-pleasing and, you know, those kinds of things and critical thinking or shopping or whatever it is. So just, just, yeah, beginning to see where you suffer and where you might be able to stop and say, what's going on? What's underneath this? Like Julia Butterfly Hill talked about the, the anger. You know, anything that causes suffering to you that's not how we show up in the world. There's pain. There's the you know. There's the, the the pain of living and birth, death, separation, grief, all that. But the extra things like jealousy. What's that? Where's that coming from? What's underneath that? You know. 
fear. What's underneath that? So whenever we have these these emotions that are that are painful, there's nothing wrong with them. You can't help it. They just if they show up, they're there. Don't if you and sometimes we're taught we're not supposed to feel those things. Like people are taught a lot of people are taught you're not supposed to feel anger. That's, you know that's big. Beat the anger out of you. You know <laughs> that works. So you know we we have these also these voices saying we're not supposed to experience these things. If it's there, it's there. You can't help it. It's how you respond to it is what's key. So just investigating how you how you suffer from what's going on up here in between your ears. That's really important. So. Anything else? Any other questions about any of this? No?